welcome to Branching Out. Today is Monday, June 5th. I am McKenna Huey, the Camarillo reporter, and today you will hear from CSUCI graduate and Thousand Oaks resident Spooner Greenbird. Spooner recently graduated um, with a degree in psychology, and it was in honor of her mother who struggled with mental health and was actually a patient at Camarillo State Mental Hospital, which, as you know, is later turned into CSU Channel Islands. That interview is up next. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast, Spooner. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. I am a big fan of your work and the Acorn, so I'm really honored to be here. Thank you so much. Can you start by telling us about your mom and what she was like? Oh, my mom. Uh, well, I think, you know, like I previously mentioned that we all have people in our lives that are the most amazing people you're ever going to meet that no one gets to know. And for me, that that was my mom. My mom was my best friend. And she, you know, I think about it sometimes and she's had so many things stacked against her. And she always worked with whatever she had to make the best and, and to teach me to be a good person, to be loving, to have integrity, to keep trying. And uh, I can't say enough of her. I mean, basically, if you get me talking about my mom or my university, you're never going to get me to shut up. <laughs> Your mom was actually a teacher, right? Yes, yeah, she was. Um, she got her degree from Wayne State University in Michigan in elementary education. And she taught out here at uh, in schools in Brentwood. And then uh, she also taught like at Manual Arts High School in Los Angeles. And so, but she was a special teacher for elementary education. And in addition to being kind of your role model and your inspiration, your mom was someone who also, like many people, struggled with her mental health. Can you talk about that? Yes, she did. Um, my mom had schizophrenia and uh, she worked very hard to keep that uh, well one of the things that I've always been amazed is no matter what with my father's alcoholism or his drug abuse or my mom's mental illness she never hid anything from me so I always knew like okay you know like this is different about my father this is different about my mother it doesn't make it right or wrong it's just what they're dealing with just like I'm going to have things that are going to be diff different about me and that's okay. So uh, she, the drugs that you have to take sometimes on this are very difficult and they cause side effects, you know, lethargy and all this kind of stuff. And so my mom was very good about taking her medications. And then sometimes there'd be situations and she would go off. And then if you're off a certain point, you get beyond help. And so when I was growing up, sometimes that happened like after the death of her parents. She had a very, very bad episode, and it put her in uh, Camarillo State Hospital. And that was my very first exposure to that, is they had, uh, the police car had taken my mother, and I didn't know where she went. And then my father took me to visit, but he could only come after work, and it was after hours, and, and so, and I was too young to actually visit her. But my parents always figured out ways to, you know, work around things. So my dad told my mother, oh, you know, like find a women's restroom and see if you can see a window. And, you know, they figured this out where he could hold me up and she could go to the window and uh, stand on the sink. And we just, I, I'll never forget it. Uh, when we both like were touching the window and I could see her mouthing, you know, hello, sunshine. And uh, that was her nickname for me. So, but that was my first exposure to Camarillo State Hospital, Camarillo, all of it. And then years later, uh, my mom passed away from cancer. And when she 
was on her deathbed, I made her a few promises. And I've had social anxiety all of my life. And I promised her first that I would live this second half of my life without her, without fear. And two, that she always wanted me to get it. It didn't matter what the degree was, <laughs> but get that degree. So get that degree and, and live without fear. And uh, I grieve for her. I still grieve for her every day and I still talk to her. But uh, And then after a period of time, I'm like, okay, come on now. It's time to honor your commitments. And so I went to Santa Monica College and then I uh, transferred. And so I had an opportunity to go to Cal State L.A., uh, Cal State Northridge or CSUCI. And when I got into CSUCI, that that was it. I knew that because it's like, that's where my mom was. I'm going to do this for her. I'm going to do it in a place where she felt pain. And I would bring joy where she felt pain mm -hmm. in my mind to her. So. Um, and you also mentioned um, in our previous interview that although um, the mental hospital had more of a negative um, connotation, I would say a lot of people um, were concerned about the treatments going on there. Um, you were actually very grateful to the staff there for how they impacted your mom. I was always grateful. Like there was a moment uh, like in different times that she would need hospitalization and it got to that point of like a 5150 involuntary hold. I knew if she went to Cam State... In like three days, they would have her back. They would have her back to me and everything would be okay. And once they started cutting out mental health services and they were dwindling and Camp State closed, and um, her subsequent episodes, she would never fully come back. But I have nothing but the best to say for my experience and my family's experience with Camp State. I will always be grateful to them. Um, and can you talk more about why you wanted to go um, to CSUCI for college to honor your mom's um, desire for you to earn your degree? Um, why that was important for you? Did it? Um, did the history of that land make it difficult at all? The history of the land was the inspiration. That was the motivation. That is the thing that she always wanted me to, you know, help other people. And uh, I, I can't even explain it. I just know that, like, when I was, like, before, you know, uh, once I got accepted, I would, like, drive by the campus, you know, and, and it's just, like, every time I, I drive into the campus, I have that feeling, like, this is for you, Mom. And so that made it stronger and that made it better and that made me even more motivated. And I was already motivated, but that just took it, like, like Mom, I can't. I can't fail here. You know, this is your hospital. This is my school. I'm getting your degree, which is also my degree. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it drove me even harder. Um, and you felt very connected to her there, right? On campus, especially Bell Tower. Very much so. Bell Tower, as we were just previously discussing, that's where my father held me up. My mom was in the restroom. So, so like every time the Bell Tower goes off, like every 15 minutes or whatever, I, but, you know, it's like, I always like to think that that's mom saying hi. And you um, earned your degree in psychology. Um, and so how did your mother's um, struggles with mental illness play um, into that decision? So one of the things that's always stood out to me is like if somebody has diabetes, you don't tell them like, well, don't take your insulin, you know, be stronger. Or if they have cancer, you don't say, well, don't take chemo, think your way out of it. You know, 
And we don't have that same thing with mental illness. And a lot of times it's just like a, a chemical imbalance and things that happen that, you know, if we didn't have the stigma around it, we would be able to treat it better. If we just look at it as another thing, like, oh, okay, this is just something that requires additional treatment, additional outlook, additional therapy, whatever it is. And so that's part of my reasoning is uh, my mom, even though the episodes were scary, my mom never made me afraid of mental illness. She made me realize that just some people have uh, things that they deal with. And so in wanting to study psychology, I'm just hoping to help other people deal with that. And what are some of the things that um, you learned about mental health? I know you're very passionate about your professors and your classes. Um, can you talk more about your passion for that learning? I had the best, best faculty. Um, I had a faculty that thought of innovative programs. Uh, I like we've discussed before, I have terrible social anxiety and they came up with something called the transfer learning community. And prior to my entering, I thought, well, you know, I'll just apply and just see what happens. And I was accepted into it. And it was actually 24 students who were in a cohort together. And we took all of our classes together. We had the same faculty. So we were able to form this bond. And in doing that, it allowed me to be able to be comfortable and grow and see myself differently. So in and of itself, the faculty there was like treating my social anxiety without even knowing it. And so I was grateful for that. Um, but I have learned so much from all my professors. I can't even begin to explain it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned one of your professors actually taught you, um, I believe, to let curiosity instead of fear drive drive the car. <laughs> Is that what he said? Yes. Um, so I had, was taking a class in uh, personality psychology. And my professor, uh, I was discovering that sometimes what goes on in our head is just the story we tell ourselves. And I'm still the same person. But what if I just told myself, what if I let a different part of the story lead? So instead of letting my fear drive, because and recognizing, learning that my fear is just trying to protect me, but it's overreacting to certain things that shouldn't be triggering it. You know, like, like you know, just saying hi to somebody shouldn't really trigger like, oh, I want to run away. And so I was like, well, what if I just let another part of my personality drive? And a different professor said that I had a really high intellectual curiosity. And I never saw myself that way. But once my professor said that, I said, well, what if I just see myself this way and let it drive me? And my world started to change. And that is because of my school and, and my professors. And your mom actually fostered a lot of that curiosity and love for learning, right? Very much so. I wore my mother out. I've always had ADHD. <laughs> and when I was a kid, I thought nap time was for mom because she would say, okay, it's nap time. And she would say, uh, okay, uh, get on the bed. Uh, tell me a story. You know, and she, she would say, uh, once upon a time, and she'd say, you take over. And then I would just talk the rest of the time while she took a nap. So when I actually got to kindergarten and I realized like, oh, nap time's for us. You know, my poor mom, though, but she... No matter what, she was never tired for me. She always had the intellectual curiosity herself. She always tried to find out why or tried to show me where I could find the answer. So grateful. 
And um, before, when you graduated, you were actually selected as the commencement speaker um, for your particular graduation ceremony, which was May 20th. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, what was your message to your peers and your professors and anyone else watching? My overall message, uh, even though maybe it wasn't necessarily spoken, is uh, never quit. Because it was a long road to this, and I had a, a lot of time when I had to take care of my folks or something like that, and I had to defer my education. But I never quit, and uh, my overall message really to them was just to thank them, because they were all a part of my journey. They were, everyone there was my teacher as well, and so that, that was what I was... And the other thing, which you so beautifully did, was uh, for me, the most important person that I wanted there could not be there physically. And so I, I wanted to make her present. And that opportunity happened where I could make it present for a number of people. And then you, with your words so eloquently, uh, brought her to life for me. So I will forever be grateful for that. Um, are you comfortable sharing the moment after your graduation um, at her gravesite where you put a sticker? Yes, I, uh, I made her a promise uh, when I started CSUCI. I kept going to the bookstore and they didn't have the proud parent things. And I kept checking back. And when they finally did, I bought two, one for my mom, one for my dad. And I made a promise that, okay, mom, I'm going to get this degree. I'm going to get it here. No matter what I do in life, this is going to happen. And the very next day I will come and I will place it on your headstone. And, uh, I am very happy to say that I was able to accomplish that. The very next day I was at the cemetery at 8 a.m. And I got to, the sticker decal on her headstone and then I started to you know show her all the things that had happened and told her about things that I had done at school and uh yeah <laughs> I'm sure she's very proud of you I hope so <laughs> um what are your plans for after graduation Right now, I'm going to be applying to graduate schools because I am definitely not done on this, this journey. In discovering the first degree, I realize now that I need multiple degrees because I also want to become a professor like the professors that I had. And I realized, too, that if I could design my dream life, I will get my Ph.D. and come back and teach at CSUCI until I die. <laughs> Why do you want to be a professor? What is your goal? How do you hope you make your students feel one day? Oh, if I could be like one one thousandth of the professors I have had. Um, I have been challenged, valued, grown, inspired. Uh, it's, it's the most amazing thing to feel seen by your professor and have them value your work. And then to want to be able to do that for somebody else, that's one of the highest honors, in my opinion, you could have. And you also want to be a clinical research psychologist. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. I had no idea. So when I signed on to CSUCI, I honestly thought, well, really, all you can do is just be a counselor. And I like people and I like talking to people one-on-one. -on -one. But the university encourages research and internships and, and again, encouraged me to go outside my comfort zone. So when I started to do research, I was realizing that, you know, you can actually help people in a greater number with research 
by just like looking at things and examining questions and finding data. And so that's when I realized I want to do this and I want to do this and then I want to teach it. And that will give me a fulfilled life. Um, I know it's still early or not into that field quite yet, but <laughs> how do you hope um, to one day impact patients um, who might be like your mom, um, who might be needing that those services? So I'm passionate about a, a lot of different things, but one of the things that uh, I come back to is anxiety, resilience, marginalized groups, stigma. So I'm interested in working, especially with the Native American community, because I am Chippewa. Um, my mom taught me resilience, and I've always been curious as to why some people will be told, like, you'll never be able to do that, and they will just accept that and, and never try. And then other people, you will tell that you won't be able to do that, and then they will just you'd say, I'll show you in Excel to a degree. And it's like, how can we tap into that potential that we all have? And, and what makes us different, but what makes us similar. And that's the kind of research I'm interested in, is trying to make everybody the best they can be. And um, you talked earlier about stigma. Yes. Um, did you learn anything in school um, about how we can kind of um, use small ways to kind of destigmatize mental health? My school is very good about trying to encourage inclusivity, diversity, uh, even beyond a degree that I do. So, you know, like everybody's about, you know, your pronouns and this and that, and just trying to create a, an atmosphere of respect. And so in that sense, it made me even more conscious of day-to-day -day behaviors. And like, I never realized about like microaggressions or stuff like that. And I don't think a lot of people do. And I don't think a lot of people mean you know, I like in my opinion, we're all basically good people, and then we all have our own thing. But uh, my school definitely made me realize to grow even more in my awareness, and so I was grateful for that. Mm -hmm. um, and we didn't actually touch too much on this in the article I wrote earlier, um, but you are Indigenous, Correct. and obviously CSUCI, they really um, honor, it seems, their, the Native history of their land. Can you talk about why that was also an important aspect at that campus for you? Very much so. Um, years ago, I had done a, a film project with the Shumash, and uh, so I was very aware of their particular ties to the land, and I, I've always valued that. And then for the hospital to be there and have that other element, and CSUCI is definitely really trying to uh, foster an element of Native inclusion, Indigenous inclusion. And we had our very first uh, graduation affinity ceremony, which was a blanket ceremony, which we got to experience with each other. And we always have uh, Shumash blessings. And so one of the things in my research that I repeatedly discovered is when it comes to psychological research and Native Americans, almost every research paper that you will read will say there's just desperately needed research in this area and there's not enough research done. And so just even the fact that my school is trying so hard to address this particular population, I'm grateful for. Um, and earlier I mentioned that after um, 
the Camarillo State Mental Hospital um, closed, um, your mom faced additional challenges. So is there anything you want to share regarding the need for more um, mental health services in the county? Yes. Uh, so when after Cam State closed, she did receive some good treatment at Cedar sinai Thalians Hospital. However, that also closed. And then it became uh, Harbor General and... Let me start by saying anyone who works in uh, psychiatric hospitals deserves uh, incredible thank you because it is not easy. And they see people at their worst and they experience terrible things. So I am I'm grateful. But also, the more we keep shrinking the system, the more the system gets overburdened. And then the more these people that are just trying to help, that signed up to try and help people, are getting overworked. And so it's a perpetual spiral. Um, So if we can address having more mental health facilities and, and having more people and making this less of a stigma, I think we're going to make a better world for everybody. I think that's all my questions for you, Spooner. But is there anything else you want to add or emphasize to close out today's episode? Uh, Yes, a couple things. First of all, I'm a big fan of your work. Uh, Love the acorn. Love my school. And uh, people in the area, I don't know if you realize that CSUCI is a valuable institution and it's right in our back door and it's a hidden gem and it has low class sizes, one-to-one instruction and it's changed me to a degree that I can be sitting here with you and talking. And so I can never say enough about it or the opportunities it's given me. And I wanted to just thank you for this opportunity to speak with you. Thanks so much for being here, Spooner. Um, you did a great job. I'm really proud of you. Um, and thank you um, again. And we wish you the best of luck. Congratulations on your graduation. And we know we'll, you'll do amazing things in the future. Thank you so much, McKenna.